You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for August 20th, 2023, the 12th Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend John Kennedy. It's based on Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Good morning, all. For, for those of you who may have been wondering why the first part of that gospel was not in your bulletin, uh, it's because today's lectionary uh, passage has an optional first part, which we decided to omit, but which I forgot in the moment and read. So that's what was going on there. I, I knew it a couple words into it, but I just committed. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm just going to be talking about the second half of uh, today's passage. I would have loved to talk about the Genesis passage, that beautiful story of the reunion of Joseph and his brothers and his father. But today's gospel passage uh, seems to demand our attention because it is very thorny. Um, last week we had the story of Jesus walking on the water and Peter actually walking on the water with him, at least momentarily. And I talked last week about how Peter wanted to follow Jesus on the water, perhaps because Jesus was a rabbi who had called Peter to be his disciple, to be his follower. And so Peter was just doing what a good disciple would want to do. He sees Jesus walking on the water, well he wants to do likewise. And I talked about how Jesus chose unconventional people to be his disciples, to be like him, because to call somebody as a disciple, if you're a rabbi in first century Palestine, was to say, I believe you can do what I do. I believe you can be like me. And so that this means that Jesus believes that ordinary people like you and me can be like him and do what he does and follow him. Today's gospel passage, however, may have us wondering if we really want to follow Jesus all the time and everything he does and in everything he says. Uh, after all, in today's passage, he ignores this woman who is pleading, shouting for help. The text says he does not answer her at all. And then he calls her a dog. Only after all that does he finally relent and, and grant her request and heal her daughter. So what is going on here? Well, one way that, that folks have tried to make sense of this over the years is that it is evidence of Jesus' humanity, uh, that he shared in some of the same limitations and weaknesses that, that all of us do. Uh, we could imagine that Jesus is tired, that he's exhausted from all the commotion around him. There's a lot of activity around Jesus. There were a lot of demands on his time and attention. So perhaps this story finds Jesus in a moment where he's not at his best, where he's having a bad day, uh, and when he lets an unkind word slip. This is certainly relatable, right? I mean, we've all, we've all been there. But such an interpretation or an explanation may run into some challenges with historic Christian faith. Um, which holds that Jesus was like us in every way, yet without sin. Uh, as, as Father Justin once told me, the beloved former associate rector here, who is known to, to many, if not all, uh, gathered here today, uh, when we were talking once about the uh, theological conviction, or, or sometimes the lack of it, across the Episcopal Church, that the Episcopal Church does actually have beliefs. And this belief that Jesus was without sin is, is one of them. So, cranky Jesus is not the most orthodox explanation. Uh, but that, and that may or may not matter to you, and that's, that's okay, but I also don't think it's the most interesting explanation. 
Because what if there is something else entirely going on here? To get at that, let's look at this passage in context a little bit. Uh, It comes not long after Jesus has been criticized by Pharisees, of course, the religious uh, authorities of that time, for eating with unwashed hands with his disciples. Now, the Pharisees were not concerned about germs. This is not a hygienic issue. Uh, This was a ritual purity issue, a religious observance issue. Uh, And it's a pattern, uh, a part of a pattern of Jesus breaking such purity codes and norms. He did this by associating with the wrong people, people who were considered unclean, people who were deemed sinners, people like tax collectors, and so on. Uh, Jesus hung out with such people all the time, and he would sometimes touch people who had uh, uh, physical diseases in order to heal them, and and just coming into physical contact in that way would make Jesus unclean, just as uh, eating with the wrong people would make him, again, ritually, religiously unclean. Jesus clearly did not care about this. Now, this woman in the story, this Canaanite woman, connects to this purity issue already right off the bat just because she is a woman. We see this dynamic at play in the story that is told in John's Gospel of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well when we see Jesus' disciples say, or the text tells us that Jesus' disciples are amazed to see Jesus speaking with a woman. Now, why would they be amazed to see Jesus speaking with a woman? Well, the reason is that it was against the social customs of that time and culture for a Jewish religious leader, such as Jesus, to speak with a woman in public. Now, Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well in John's Gospel echoes today's passage from Matthew about Jesus' conversation with the Canaanite woman uh, in a number of ways, not only because both were women, but they were both non-Jews. We have a Samaritan woman in John, we have a Canaanite woman in Matthew. Uh, These are both ethnic and religious groups that were at that time in conflict with the Jews. Now in the Gospel of John, the woman asked Jesus what he, a Jew, was talking to her, what he is doing talking to her, a Samaritan. And there Jesus behaves like we would expect, like we would want. Uh, He disregards this barrier that has grown up between the two groups, and he reaches out to her, he includes her, he he brings her in. So this makes the apparent callousness and, and tribalism in today's exchange all the more startling and surprising. Why would Jesus be speaking this way? I mean, all throughout the Gospels, including Matthew's Gospel, which we're looking at today, Jesus seems to have no issue whatsoever with moving past traditional religious and cultural barriers. Uh, He's always, it seems, drawing the circle wider and wider. And as to this point of widening the circle, this passage has Jesus moving into Gentile territory. We are told that he is going into the region of Tyre and Sidon, so this is non-Jewish land. This, of course, is a sign of things to come. The story might begin with Jesus' ministry to his own people, to the Jews, but uh, it always has the whole world in view. We know where this is going. Uh, The Great Commission that ends Matthew's Gospel has Jesus telling his disciples to go to all nations. In the Gospel of Luke, we are told that Jesus tells his disciples to go to the ends of the earth. So this is a universal, sort of all-embracing vision. So, I think it seems that, that everything that we know about Jesus, everything that the Gospels tell us about Jesus, 
points towards these disparaging comments that he levels in today's passage as being some kind of, of setup, that he's not really being straightforward here, that there's something, something going on here. It's almost as if Jesus is acting, as if for a moment he assumes and expresses the tribalism of so many people around him, including some of his disciples, undoubtedly. Perhaps this was a teachable moment for his disciples. Perhaps Jesus responded to this Canaanite woman as they expected and as they even wanted him to, only to see this way of thinking, this exclusionary way of thinking, uh, subverted by Jesus and by this woman as Jesus instantly acquiesces to her challenge, to his initial rejection. In the Buddhist tradition, there is a term called upaya, a Sanskrit term meaning skill in means. And it's often used with reference to teachers, such as Zen masters, for the clever and unconventional and sometimes startling and surprising means they would use to teach their disciples a lesson or to lead them to some sort of insight or wisdom or even awakening and enlightenment. Uh, When I say startling or surprising, I mean something like what follows here. There's a story of a Zen master who ended a conversation with a disciple by slamming a door shut on his leg, breaking his disciple's leg, but apparently somehow leading that disciple to some moment of insight or awakening. Because that's what Zen is, is about. It's about leading a disciple to a moment, a sudden moment of insight. Now we can be grateful that Jesus did not resort to means like that. That would make scriptural interpretation much more difficult. But perhaps Jesus was doing something along these lines, maybe acting uh, along the lines of, of a similar concept to Opaya in, in Buddhism, which is that of crazy wisdom. That again, great masters, sages, teachers would sometimes do seemingly crazy things in service of their teaching, in service of imparting their wisdom. Perhaps Jesus was doing something like this. I, I, think, I think that he was. Um, we also may see a bit of the rabbinic tradition at work here. Of course, Jesus, as we talked about last week, was a rabbi, and he may have been testing the woman to see how determined she was because there was a rabbinic tradition of rejecting uh, a potential convert or student three times before accepting them just to see how dedicated and determined they were to learn or to become a student And this woman, of course, if she's being tested by Jesus here, she really, really passes the test. She knows just what to say. She knows just what to do. Uh, The great medieval theologian Thomas Aquinas, in his comments on this passage, says that she is exemplary for us, for Christians of all time, uh, for uh, five traits or characteristics that she displays. Uh, she She is exemplary in humility. She kneels before Jesus. She is exemplary in patience. She waits it out as she's getting this abuse, apparent abuse from Jesus and his disciples, and silent treatment as well. Uh, She comes in the spirit of prayer. She's a model of prayer. She says, Lord, have mercy on me. She's a model of perseverance. She just persists after the door apparently not opening to her. She will not go away. She will not relent. She is determined. And maybe the foundation of her determination is her faith, which is the fifth quality here that Aquinas points to. She has faith that despite all appearances to the contrary, that Jesus is somebody who will take care of what she needs taken care of. Of course, 
She's right. Jesus gives her her request. And she's way ahead of the disciples. She has insight and an understanding of who Jesus is and what he's about that exceeds, it seems, where his disciples were at this time. It's really an astonishing thing that this woman who's an outsider sees more deeply and more clearly than the insiders. So what might this mean for us today? Well, this story takes place against a backdrop of very, very deep tribal divisions. And I, of course, do not need to tell you that we are very divided uh, as a society, as a nation, uh, in some ways as a world right now. Um, it comes up, and rightly so, in, in sermons all the time. Uh, we, all, we all know this. And it stands to get even worse as uh, the next election cycle heats up. Believe it or not, it can actually get worse. So I think a question that a lot of us have, consciously or not, a desire we all have anyways, is how can we be sources, agents of, of healing rather than of further fragmentation? How can we help rather than hurt? Now, I'm not suggesting that we all set about the grand, perhaps impossible, task of repairing the social fabric entirely. Um, it seemed that not even Jesus, Jesus accomplished that in his own time. I'm thinking more about small things, you know, the work of being a vessel and a channel of grace in our own place, our own context and communities, uh, ways in which we can offer and extend grace, healing, just basic human warmth and kindness uh, to others, uh, especially, even and especially when it's not expected, even and especially when uh, the opposite may be expected. Uh, there's a good article in The Atlantic right now about how Americans have forgotten to be decent, just basic common civility and decency. So maybe in today's day and age, uh, just something as simple as that may be a really good way of following Jesus in this way. So let us continue to follow our rabbi Jesus in his way of life, healing, love, and wisdom, even when that wisdom appears quite crazy, because it always leads to more life more love, uh, more joy for us and for those around us. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanaan.org.